Hey, sous chefs, and welcome back to yet another installment here at The Melting Pot. I'm your host, Sly. And I'm Cardi the Dog. And today's episode is centered around spiritualism versus religion. And we are going to have a special uh, guest star uh, who I'll let introduce herself. But, you know, before we get too far into the show, I want to put out a disclaimer that here at The Melting Pot, we try our best to create a safe space for everyone um, to voice their opinions. And we wanted to let it be known that we don't pass judgment on anyone's belief sets or um, anybody in general. So without further ado, let's get into it. I'd like to introduce the voice prophetess. And if you want to tell uh, the people a little more about yourself, uh, we would love to hear it. Well, thank you so much, first and foremost, um, Cartier and Sly for the invite. I'm always amped and excited to uh, be a voice of clarity, uh, a voice of understanding. And so when the opportunity came, you know, I I jumped. It was like I leaped. I was like, great, this is cool. So um, a little bit about me because my life is pretty extensive, but um, uh, speaking and teaching and guiding is a passion of mine. Um, And because I'm not the typical religious prophet or prophetess, um, I was very afraid to you know, embark on this journey of being this voice of clarity, of hope, of transformation and change. And so, you know, when God called me to speak and be a voice, I didn't really know what, you know, would happen because, you know, my life was full. I wasn't, you know, raised in the church, so to speak. And literally God called me out of my life of, you know, circumstances and challenges. And so when he called me to be a great voice of uh, clarity and change, I was hesitant, but as soon as I started speaking, as soon as I released all of the judgment and condemnation, you know, I started floating and here I am. (laughs) So what got you into like, you know, speaking and walking into your gift? Um, I think at the age of, um, I would say the very first time that I heard God speaking. And for those that always ask me what that, what, how do you know God is speaking to you? Trust me. Uh, it's a voice that you've never heard before, but you know it. It's a word, it's a voice, it's a sound that you've never heard before, but in your soul, you know it, you know it's God. And so at the age of 13, God spoke to me and called out and let me know that I was going to become something great and he was going to use my voice to do it. Of course, it took many years for me to be obedient to it and with passion or with purpose or just like that pull that you can't explain, you can't shake, you cannot like let it It won't let you go rather. Um, It was just something like that. It was like, I could not wake up another day and ignore the voice, ignore the pull, ignore the passion that was calling me to speak out and to be a voice um, sharing my story. Because, you know, with a lot of people that are called to speak and to be great voices or to be leaders, you know, you're going to, you're going to go through great highs and great lows. You know, you're going to have a lot of trauma. You're going to have a lot of hurt. You're going to have a lot of pain. That's like the prerequisite in order for God to use you, um, as such a capacity to evoke change. And because I had a lot of that, I had a lot of pain. I had a lot of change and I had a lot of trauma. Um, God was letting me know that he was calling me to be a voice of healing and a voice of deliverance outside of the church, um, outside of the four corners and the protection of the church. Like he wanted a voice to speak to the people on the outskirts um, that really thought that they couldn't make it or that they didn't fit the mold 
of what the standardized church and tradition would say. And so he used me and called me to be that. And I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep on that anymore. I couldn't ignore it. And so, you know, I just finally surrendered to it. And I'm glad I did. And was there any point that you was like, why me? Why me? Or did you ever question it? Um, I said, why me all of my, <laughs> all of my life? Uh, because again, when you are called um, by this supernatural, this voice, um, you know, you're called out of something. You're called from what you are um, as you are. Um, and so because I had no formal training, again, I wasn't born and raised in the church. I didn't have the look. I, I really looked like the world. I still look like the world, in my opinion, and to a lot of other people's opinion. Um, I still look unchurched, but you can't deny the anointing or you can't deny the power of God um, that is on my life or anybody's life um, who he calls. It's like non-judgmental. And so I had to accept that there was no condemnation and there was no judgment that could touch me because God called me. But up until I came to that revelation, definitely I was asking why God, please choose someone else like Moses. Moses asked why a million times and it really was out through his throughout his whole ministry and that's exactly how I feel a lot of times I always ask God why just because of me you know we look at ourselves through the eyes of man man looks at us through the eyes of man and God looks at us through the heart you know so that's always there I think that's part of the process so how long have you been walking this Christian journey forgive me I don't like hearing the Christian journey um, I, I know that I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but because I really take my spirituality, I'm very, very personally, um, when you get caught up in the Christian role and the Christian mold, you know, sometimes you can lose the power of God and transformation because, you know, we hear a lot about Christians and what people think about Christians and how they're weak or how there's dogma attached to it. But when you really, um, meet God face to face, you know, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, when you re meet him face to face, you know, all the titles are like dismissed. Um, and so for me, I, I became saved at the age of 13. I accepted Christ into my life at the age of 13, but I did not surrender completely to his will until I would say the age of 25. I kind of ran because at the age of 13, between the ages of 13 and 16 years old, um, God was reintroducing himself to me and began to gift me with gifts of uh, healing, supernatural healing, you know, touching people and, you know, speaking over their life and praying over their wombs, like women that could not have children. God was giving me the gift to speak over their wombs and they would, they would become pregnant, you know, um, healing and their bodies addictions and so god was calling me into this at the age of 16 so it was very uncomfortable and so i ran for a long period of time so by the time i was baptized that's when it became real to me because i had never been baptized and so at the age i believe of 20 between 22 and 25 i uh, was baptized and that's when it completely changed i went into full-time ministry um i uh, was connected with a church in Jersey. That's where I'm uh, originally from, um, First Church of Deliverance. And I went into outreach ministry because I like working with the people. You know, I love church, but I love working outside of the church, you know, connecting, 
you know, with God's people, with the kingdom, you know, with people that are counted out, you know, giving them the message. Because honestly, the church don't need the message. It's the people, you know, on the outside of the church that need the message. Um, so it's been a while. It's been since the age of 25, really since the age of 25 that I've been fully committed to empowering and sharing you know Christ sharing salvation and it's never too late to start it's never too late um that's something that you definitely have to make aware of the people because some people may feel as though that you know what's the point because you know so much time has passed or there's no they feel like there's no use uh you know it's just important to just stress that you know it's never too late but to stir up the pot a little bit I just wanted to bring up the terms religious and spiritual um and you know those two terms have now come to describe seemingly distinctive and sometimes overlapping ways of human activity so i think that you know now most of the youth have found a way to move away from the institutionalized christianity um and and emergence is now happening more so spiritually where you know people are finding you know, that experience with God within, you know, their inner selves rather than, you know, more traditional uh, ways. And I just wanted to propose the question to you. Do you consider yourself spiritual and religious or is it just more so of being religious? And also, you know, do you think that you can be one without the other? Well, I guess, honestly, to, I guess, um, a dress it appropriately without just saying how I feel you know religion is basically that specific set of organized belief and practices and it's usually at least it's defined as usually shared by a community or group now that's religion it's something that we come together organized all the time or specific set times which I think is okay um because it's just something we practice every day. Religion can be outside of the church. It can really be anything that we, you know, honor or worship or we practice, right? And I think that's the other aspect of religion that our youth and just even more of the millennials really look at. Like religion can be so vastly used and somehow it can be misinterpreted, right? So why do we have to lean on it for any type of spiritual resolve or any type of you know, salvation. Um, spirituality is more of that individual practice. And it has to do with a sense of peace and it has to do with a sense of purpose. And because my religion, if I would say that I'm religious, is love. I am rooted and grounded in God's love. And therefore, through that, he has given me purpose in my life. And that purpose is not just to bring peace but it is to bring a message for everybody. And it's not confound or it's not confined by religion because sometimes religion can block your purpose or block love or block peace because of who they are, what they are, what group it, what group it is. Um, and so for me, I think you could have a, a definite balance of both. Um, but I think in scripture, if I would give a scripture, um, that could kind of help us with this would be in, um, James chapter one, 22 verses 22 through 25. And it says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only 
deceiving your own selves. For if any man hear, if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgotteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And I think that is more important because uh, religion is just more of a hearer of the word. It's just about going to church religiously, listening and hearing, but never doing, never taking that word and doing something outside of yourselves at times for others. And spirituality breaks that mold. It makes you a lover. It makes you compassionate. It makes you a doer of the very word you're religious to. I hope I said something. <laughs> you you did. Yeah, you definitely you you uh, hit it right on the nail. So I like what you said, and I uh, slide. You kind of you took what I was gonna ask, but you asked it in a different way. But I want to. Uh, go back into you know you said you've been you know you was called at 13 and you started uh, doing stuff at 16 and then you really got deep into it in your 20s so you know being a younger person that's you know that's that's in Christ you know growing up in the church they often feel like you know they can't be you know cool and with Jesus at the same time you know what I'm saying like because you know their friends are not doing some of the stuff that they do like they don't go to church as much as you know as them and blase 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 so what would you tell somebody that's you know 13 and, you know questioning like and they're trying to fit in with both sides if that make if that makes sense you mean like they're trying to split the fence and do the hokey pokey right right <laughs> um well because like I said, I wasn't born and raised in the church, so I had that challenge with me for a very long time. And um, I think it was something that I struggled with personally because when God calls you, you know, it's normally he calls you where you are. You know, he doesn't call you when you're perfect and he doesn't necessarily call you when you've arrived, you know, when you have a sense of knowing everything. He calls you when you are a babe and when you are, you know, broken. Um, let's be honest, every minister, disciple, prophet, leader you find in the Bible was a hustler, a schemer, a scammer, you know, <laughs> a murderer, alcoholics. I mean, you name it. They've been there, done that and bought the T-shirt. So right. it's not giving place to disobedience and sin, but it is trying to help us to understand that nobody's perfect and God will call you whoever you are, whenever you are, wherever you are, why ever you are for his service. And so as a young person, I struggled with that as well, because when God called me immediately, you look to the elders or you look to the people that are before you and immediately you reflect and you say, but I'm not that, or how can I be that? Or God, I have this, or God, I came from that, or God, I think like this, or God, I struggle with that. And I remember going through this and honestly, that kept me in bondage because I would sit on the gift and the calling and my creativity and my my swag I mean are we allowed to say that you know in church I got swag right you know my drip you know my swag was pretty much you know out of this world meaning too much for the church to handle or to perceive as anointing 
but it was something that God gave me um, and he allowed me to hold on to, to be able to minister and touch the people that were not found in the church. So sometimes you're at war with yourself because of who you're looking up to. And so when I started to look and compare myself to others who honestly were not called to do what I was called to do, that's another, that's the other side is that sometimes we look up to people to get clarity and, and, and identity with that are not called to do what we are called to do. Like for instance, when Saul became Paul, he was on his way to murder Christians and God knocked him off his horse, humbled him. And when Saul became Paul, he no longer after his transformation, no longer conferred with flesh and blood, meaning he looked to no one else to say, am I doing a good job? Am I right? Am I living well? Should I go over here? Should I go over there? I'm not saying it's not good to have a mentor or a leader to confide in from time to time. But when God calls you, that's it. What God says that settles it. And that's it. Now you listen to God and you move forward in your ministry or your teaching or whatever he has called you to, because we all know when we are saved, God sends his Holy go. So I got, I got a voice, you know, you just got to trust your correction and your, and the voice that God gives you his Holy spirit to guide you. But we get afraid. And I got afraid. Like a lot of the youth get afraid and we want to do well, and we don't want to be judged and we don't want condemnation. But the word also tells us wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is no condemnation and you have more freedom in Christ, the real true Christ, the real true spiritual encounter. You can have more freedom in him than in the world. So I'm free indeed. Mm. And all my sins and everything else are falling away. And if they got a problem with you, like for the youth that are listening or will listen, if people have a problem with you and your transformation or your journey, then that's something that they got to work out in their consciousness and their conscious mind. But for you, you're free. There's no judgment there. You know, move quickly towards what God has called you to do. And God will do the rest. And that's just that on that. Well said. (laughs) yeah very very well said (laughs) so i kind of want to i want to take what cartier uh said a step further uh so keeping an open mind what advice would you give to a person um who has been struggling with their faith following this statement i believe in god but not religion what advice would you uh try to uh give the person Well, I believe that the first and foremost question that literally comes to mind is what God do you believe in? Because there are many gods. That is true. Let's make that clear. So, so, so what God do you believe in? Let's get that out of the way. And then we can proceed with anything else. For instance, I was traveling, um, and I met a young man and anytime, it just seems like anytime I go to the Atlanta, uh, airport, Hartsfield airport, I sit in the same seat to like board my plane and I always meet the same kind of indi- individual, someone who's searching. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't believe in happenstance and coinky things. I just don't. Not when you're called by God, nothing is by chance. Mm-hmm. And so this young man was just talking to me and he was, he, I think he was like 33 years old. And he just out of nowhere just said, you know, you sat right next to me. Um, I'm intrigued. I want to have a conversation with you. And I'm thinking, okay, always prepared for this kind of stuff. And so he said, what would you tell a 33 year old man who's struggling in his faith out of nowhere? Wow. Right off the bat. Right. And I said, 
And I immediately said to him, are you struggling in your faith? He was like, nah, 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 I'm just asking, you know, just random. What would you tell a 33 year old man who's struggling in his faith? And I said, well, I would ask this young man, what is his faith? What does he believe in? And so he told me he believed in the sun God, Ra. And I said, well, that's where we may have a problem. I said, because for me, my God is Jehovah, not a sun God and not Ra. It's the supreme ruler. And he said, I know about your God, but like, I don't trust that God. I don't trust that God. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in no Jesus and anything like that. And I said, well, I'm not here to challenge necessarily your God, but I am here to challenge your faith. Mm. And that's the difference because the Bible tells us not to get into conversations where we're challenging gods and your, my God is better. Your, it's about your faith, your relationship, because brother, if we want to challenge anything, you're struggling right now. You don't have a faith. You're lost, right? He said, yeah, I'm lost. I said, and so your raw God ain't doing too well for you right now. So I would suggest that you may have to challenge your faith and your relationship and who you put your loyalty in, where you put your loyalty in. Have you ever had a relationship with Jehovah? Have you ever had a relationship with God? Supreme ruler, king of kings. He said, no. I said, well, then that's where your journey begins. So that's what I offer to you. I offer you a new faith. I offer you a relationship, not just a belief system, not just an awareness, but a true relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Because I think the other aspect and the other can of worms is that we right now are dealing with the universe meaning a lot of people believe in the universe. They don't like to acknowledge God. They like to acknowledge the universe to kind of like go around the whole Jesus Christ because we all know that God says, you cannot get to me without getting through my son, Jesus Christ. He is in me and I am in him. So now we got to talk about the Christ. How do we get to God? Through his son, Jesus Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. We got to now really confront that. And we don't like to confront that because we think we're going to lose people. But the word is uncomfortable. We can't compromise the word of God. It's the truth. So you offer faith. You offer the new perspective of faith. You offer God. You find out who, like, what do they believe in and who do they believe in. And, that, and then you have to go from there. And we can't be afraid. You know, God didn't make us cowards. We are the salt of the earth. It's funny that you said um, we're not supposed to have indulge in those type of conversations and it's funny because earlier this week um i don't i was at work and you know at work you tend not to you know even dare have a conversation about religion and politics because of how the conversation can go because everybody has their own opinion but somehow we got in the conversation about you know somebody said they don't believe in god and me and another uh co-worker we was like well we do believe in god and so the person was like well i just don't i just don't believe that there's a god i said but you believe that there's oxygen in this room Yes, because there's science behind it. So I was like, and you, you basically, you know, you want me to feel bad for what I believe in, but you believe because someone told you that there's oxygen in this room, that, that there's oxygen in this room. And because I tried to compare the same thing, they're like, it's not the same thing. From the outside looking in, you know, one can say, I can't see my God and you cannot see this uh, oxygen in this room. 
I can't touch my guy. You can't touch the air in this room. And so he was like, that's not the same thing. That's not the same thing. It's science behind mine. And the point I'm trying to make is, is like, you believe that there's oxygen in this room, but you can't believe that there's, there's a God. I don't know why. And I can't make you believe it. So my question is, when you have those type of conversations to, you know, because, you know, something like that will really heat me up. So how do you like steer the conversation in a way where, you know, it don't get ugly? Well, I think, um, and I was having this conversation with my daughter because um, my daughter is also called to speak prophetically. And, you know, she's 21 years old. And so she likes to party still, you know, she likes to turn up and she can't help at the same time that she's called. So she's drawn into these uh, situations and conversations where she feels like she has to defend the word of God, you know, all the time. Um, and I try to, you know, help her to understand that it's not our job to, to defend or to argue down the word of God. It's a difference when you stand or you, you know, you're, you're creating a standard, you know, you're just standing in the truth. That's one thing, but there are people who are actually sent to bring strife. Right. Right. Um, they are coming to add strife. They're at, they're actually coming not to learn. I, I can't remember where the scripture is, but God tells us not to entertain men that are actually coming to cause strife. Like they're not coming to understand. They're not coming to learn. They're actually just causing strife. It's almost as if, um, what is the scripture where it, it's pretty much talking about like you go and you give a word or you're coming to bring the truth and they don't receive it. You know, we're called just to kick the dust off of our feet and keep moving because the word will defend itself. It's like one plants, one waters, and God gives the increase. So what you are called to do in situations like that is just to give the truth. And then the increase or the watering will come through God and he will give the increase. So a lot of times, I think it's in, there's another scripture in 2 Timothy 2 and 24, and it reads, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, apt to be patient. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous, grievous words stir up anger. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, because we know that the enemy will use that as a way to cause strife and division. So if you're in a situation where you're confronted, your God is confronted. Yes, we can stand and tell the truth about our God, but sometimes to strong arm the other person or to make our God uh, right and their God wrong or their belief or their way wrong. Sometimes it's just speaking to like a brick wall because they've already had their, um, their position they are already set on it and i think honestly in a in a higher way of looking at things is that when we are called to give the truth or when we are confronted with the truth or another person's truth and we give them god that's it because at some point in time they're going to have to recollect on what they did not observe you know there is a reason for everything so it's almost as if god is saying there are going to be people who have had an opportunity to hear the word of God and receive it. <laughs> you understand? Absolutely. So what you do is not in vain. 
what you do, what you've done is not in vain. So now God is saying like on judgment day or when they're confronted with their own doings, they can't say, but God, I didn't even know about you. I didn't know. Nobody said anything. I, I mean, I wasn't aware the, God is going to say, turn away from me. What do you mean? Remember when I sent Cartier and remember when I told him to tell you <laughs> and remember you rejected me in front of my people. Come on. So what we do isn't in vain. So we have, we, we are assured in our boldness and, and our awareness. Actually, we, we are doing y'all service a favor, opening our mouth and giving you something that you still won't receive. But just like with Moses, remember, and Pharaoh, he sent Moses to a king whose heart was already hardened. Let my people go. And what the Pharaoh, I will not do anything. I'm not going to, no, I'm not already. So when it came down to forgiveness or retribution or Pharaoh saying anything to God, he can't say he didn't know or he wasn't offered a way out. And our job is just to deliver the word and stand in the truth. That's it. Not to conform or convert anybody. Do y'all know that? It's not our job to convert anybody. It's our job to be a witness. It's just to be a witness and to tell the truth. That's it. To say who God is, what he did. I believe in Jesus Christ. I extend them to you. I'm not here to dispute my king. I'm not here to convince you that he died and rose on the third day. I'm not here to tell you he went into hell and snatched the keys of life. I'm not here to tell you that his blood is redeeming and his blood still has all the power. I'm not here to convince you of any of that. I'm telling you what it is. It's your job to receive it now. That's it. You don't receive it. Oh, well, kick the dust off my feet and move on to the next town. I got things to do. Right. Yeah, I'm definitely not in the business of... of of converting because at the end of the day I don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in so you know there are some people who love to try to you know I call them I don't want to call them extremists but mm-hmm. they want to try to you know convert so so bad and I know you know you know there's people's missions to you know save souls and win lives but listen if you don't want to do it I can't make it. you know what I'm saying I can I can I can tell you what the word said I can tell you what my beliefs are I can I can tell you what church I go to. I can find some churches in your area. Like I'm a uh, Google search, dispatch. But one thing I, I I can't make you wake up on that Sunday and go to church. I can't make you wake up and go to Bible study. I can't make you read your. I can't make you do anything. Only thing I can make you do is, and uh, well, only thing I can make you do is listen to me about you know talking strongly. But only thing I can encourage you to do is you know love others, live right, and hopefully we end up on the same side of the fence powerful hopefully (laughs) you know that's the truth because a lot of times it's the it's the you know the struggle is in receiving because once you receive the word it causes you to act that's the other aspect of religion and spirituality see religion you can sit in the same church in the same pew for years upon years and never be active That's why the word is saying you can't just be hearers of the word. You got to be doers, which means now spirituality kicks in my relationship and encounter that zeal that makes me want to get up and do something that makes me want to love the less desirable or unlovable. The one that makes me want to give and sow and help other people out with no strings attached. Be of service, be a servant, be good in the face of evil action. That takes an encounter. That takes 
God loving me and me being aware that God loved me when I was not so lovable (laughs) and doing for me and moving for me when I was not even deserving of it. So when you have a real live encounter that's outside of the church, and let's be honest, every miracle, every serious supernatural encounter happened outside of the church. It did not happen in the church. Every miracle Christ performed was outside of the church. Every time there was a huge display of a miracle, an encounter, something unnatural, supernatural, divine, something for the books, it was outside of the church. So what does that say to us? It says that, you know, we got to get beyond the four walls of the church, which I strongly believe in. You know, a lot of people, (laughs) uh, you know, they feel like the the best jobs are, you know, on the podium behind the light in the mic scene and um there's somebody that goes to my church that um constantly saying like you know oh you should you should um you know you should do, you should do praise team or you should you should do this and you should do that but i'm more of a behind the scenes i don't i don't have to be seen i don't want to be seen you know and there's nothing wrong with those you know mm-hmm. if god called you to do that by all means you know grab that mic you know preach that word but that wasn't for me you know what i'm saying and i get more joy working behind the scenes mm-hmm. and there's more there's more to life than the four walls of the church and we have to learn how to get outside of that we have to learn to you know uh do the feet washing service you know those some of those same people that are mm-hmm. interested and in, have the mic mm-hmm. position they don't want to wash the feet they don't want to uh, feed the homeless they don't want to talk to the elderly and that's does not bother me that's something i, I love to do i need to do it more if i could i would and so we just have to you're right we do have to learn how to get beyond the lights and the pews and actually do more that's yeah because i think honestly preaching is easy teaching is easy i think um i think getting on the you know behind the mic is easy because the real work is what you do to get there you know in order to have that position like some people just get the mic because their daddy or their auntie or their so-and-so is the deacon is the pastor you know so they kind of like just get in there just because but the people that actually um die to get the mic they will tell you preaching and teaching once they're up there that's the easiest part of the call it's the dying it's the sacrifice it's the living it out for real for real on a Monday night, on a Wednesday night, you know, really living out this thing that they preach on Sunday, okay, that they preach in front of a, you know, a congregation. Now, when I get off that mic and I get from down um, or behind the podium, I got to go Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday and carry that same God that I preached to you on Sunday. I got to carry that same God to my job or to my school or in my friend group on Wednesday. That's where the real work is done. That's where the real kingdom life shows up. That's when the miracles are performed. Sunday is easy. Sunday you dress up, you go to church. That's religion to me. That's tradition. That's so easy. But get out here and talk to me about your God that can help me out of depression or sadness or wanting to take my life. Help me to give me that God that's going to stop me from, you know, spending my daughter's money, birthday money on getting heroin and shooting up, you know. Give me the God that's going to help me to stop lying and cheating on my family, on my on my wife or on my husband. 
You know, uh, give me that God that's going to help me to do right for the first time in my life. Just be honest and be committed, God. Like, we don't understand. Like, those are the real challenges that our youth are facing. Can I just be legit? Can I just be integral? Can I just be authentic? Can I not want to chase the bag and be out and want to, like, compromise my life and sell my soul for the for the coin? Right. <laughs> chase the bag. listen i got eight kids i got four sons and four boys four sons and four daughters so i understand the grind i understand that middle that that war you know that's real life you know because let's be honest when you go to church we know that the man is slipping up that's in a pulpit we know the deacon is slipping up we know first lady is wrestling with her husband who's cheating yo we know that and if we don't know that if we don't know that then we sleep for real like we got to really get honest because we are just men and women first god calls us he glorifies us yeah but at the end of the day we're still a man and we're still a woman we're going to falter we're flawed so we got to learn to give a real christ that sees all of that and still says i love you anyway but what you doing yo we got to you got to cut it out we got to get you together and we got to be honest about what they're doing and the only way it's going to work is when we reveal our faultiness when we reveal our dirtiness when we reveal how you know what we think at 2 a.m at night or what we watching at 3 a.m what you watching at 3 a.m to help this other brother who's struggling at 3 a.m do y'all know 75 percent of the church is struggling with pornography 85 percent of our church are divorced husbands and wives divorced families so you know when we talk to our youth we can't just give them Jesus and, you know, the lamb and the lion and everything's going to be great. No, we got to give them real talk. We got to say, yo, it's a process. It's a struggle. But the Holy Spirit can guide you. Yeah, it's a breaking. Yeah, you're not going to have everything you want all the time. Everything's not going to be perfect. Matter of fact, as soon as you get saved, it seems like all hell breaks loose in your life. Matter of fact. But that's because you're being broken because everything you built up until that was false. So God's got to break you down, rebuild you in authenticity. So everything you got before Christ is nothing. It's everything you get after Christ that means something. And that will stand. That will stand the test of time. That's when you get planted to last. That's when you outlive your haters. That's when you shine even when you're in the shade. I'm trying to tell you, that's when it works, when you get real. Ladies and gentlemen, sous chefs, the voice prophetess has spoken. Really turned up the burner here on the melting pot. I'm sorry, y'all. No, that's <laughs> great. That was, yeah, that's what your energy is amazing. Like, it's real eye opening. No, it ain't. No, that's, that's what we like. Yeah. That's, that's why the devil wanted to fight me so much. The devil fought me for years because, you know. And like you were saying earlier, you know, you have endured some personal encounters yourself. And, you know, like you just uh finished wrapping up saying that you know a lot of us you know do struggle with infidelity and you know trying to overcome drugs and you know like real everyday life uh struggles so you know my next question um has kind of been has your faith ever been tested and if so how did you get it back in line or intact Mm, my faith has been tested many a times i think um i suffered a miscarriage um back in 2000 and i think it was 10 and you know i guess being arrogant and cocky and egotistic i challenged god and thought god was very um 
I thought he was unfair to allow me to have a miscarriage, but he had brought to my mind the times that I had aborted, not once, but a few times, pregnancies, right? And so it was almost as if God was asking me, how dare I question him about what he chooses to do and how he chooses to do it when I never, ever conferred with him about anything that I did when I did it to myself and took the life or decided to have an abortion with the life that he had given me for whatever reason. This isn't about pro-life. This isn't about anything like that. This is about just when you are doing things that you think is good for you and you don't ask God anything, you know, you just do what you want to do. And when I was pregnant and I was really excited about this particular uh, pregnancy and I was newly married and I just thought it was perfect to, you know, be pregnant and finally do it the right way. Like, man, God, I'm not having sex out of wedlock. I ain't shacking up. I'm not playing house. I get pregnant and you take a baby from me. Like, what is this a joke? It's gotta be a joke. And so for almost a year, I was, you know, in this place of anger and frustration. And I just really wanted to, you know, dismiss, you know, my calling and, you know, my walk felt a little compromised. I felt like God was the hypocrite. How could you allow me to lose a child? Everything is perfect right now. I'm not acting out of sin. Now, when I was in sin, cutting up and doing my thing and using a pullout method and plan B, here I go with a baby and <laughs> you let everything go smoothly then. And I wasn't ready. And I knew I couldn't be with this joker. I knew I couldn't be with this dude because, you know, it was supposed to be like, you know, a hidden and quitted or a Netflix and chill. But now I got a baby. I can't have it. I got it. I can't do it. But you allow me to be in a position to have an abortion or you be, you're, you allow me to be in a position where I have to carry a child that I eventually have to sometimes raise alone, but you abort or you, you take a child from me in my head, you take a child from me in the most ideal situation. You can't be a loving God. It just doesn't seem right. But I didn't realize it was a lesson. I was learning a lesson for myself about choice and about submission and about will and about God's supreme rule that, you know, God protects those that he loves and God's way is divine and God's way is just. I don't know what could have been wrong with the baby. I don't know what could have come out of that situation. And to be perfectly honest, that's not even important. It's God's way. God does what he wants to do. It's for us to learn every decision in our life, every hand of intervention that God intercedes in our life, whether we understand it or not, it's divine. It's to, it's to make us submit to his will. And once I understood that it wasn't more, it wasn't about him, it was more about me and my submitting to his will. Then I was able to release control. I was able to release, um, anger and frustration towards God, because at the end of the day, I was wrong and God wasn't. I was wrong. I had to reflect on my past and my past circumstances before I ever could question God and judge him. You know, God's credit, you know, is legit. <laughs> his history is legit. Ours, on the other hand, is a little incredulous. He don't got to prove anything to us, <laughs> to be honest. It's us. When you're at this point and you're so frustrated, you don't know what to do. 
what would you tell somebody that's in that uh, predicament? Um, struggling with their faith, prayer is number one. Prayer and relationships saved my life. I went into a Great Depression during that time, almost a year and a half, two years, I went to a Great Depression. My husband and I, we we, we didn't survive that uh, time, but we had, another, we had other issues as to why our marriage didn't work. But during that time of great defeat, I felt... Um, Prayer is the only thing that pulled me out of it because, like I said, I went into a great depression and prayer was the only thing that saved me. That was the only language I could muster up, you know, and prayer not meaning I had the best dialogue and I said all the best stuff. I literally would just sob and cry because I didn't know what to say. I didn't have any words. I would just be in this place of God help me. I'm in so much pain. And it was that pain that he understood the moaning the groaning the sobbing the crying your spirit will cry out in a language that only God can understand and it brought me out of a great fog of you know confusion and remorse and anger and frustration and when when you get to that place that place of like lowliness and just being down God is the only one that's going to get you out like friends couldn't help me my pastor couldn't help me. Um, family couldn't help me. My husband, I mean, it just, it nothing was working. I didn't want anybody. Nobody could do anything to help the pain or to remove the pain. So prayer, first and foremost, is my go-to method for everything. Developing a lifestyle of prayer. And I host uh, trainings uh, every uh, year, a six-week uh, developing a lifestyle of prayer training. I host that to help people form that intimate relationship with God so that when they get in places and spaces and seasons um, like this, that they know how to reach out to God. That lowly place, the old saints like to call that the midnight hour. <laughs> yes, late in the midnight hour. That's right. <laughs> right, late in the midnight hour. You gotta really know about that. Yes. And um, so... Uh, can you give us a little brief walkthrough of this, this six-week training? Yes. Okay. Well, the six-week training, developing a lifestyle of prayer training, actually came about when um, I had a supernatural encounter back in 2013, spring of 2013. I mean, I would not go into detail. Just know that I saw God uh, for the first time that day or night. I, I don't know if it was day or night. Kind of like in the Bible. I think it was Paul who said that. I forget who said that, but I don't know if it was the day or night when I had the supernatural encounter. But after that supernatural encounter I had with God, I went on a 45-day consecration. And that was no eating for 45 days. I think I, I ate one meal a day, one meal a day for 45 days. I drank, I drank water once a day. And I was in prayer two to three times a day. I was called to this consecration for 30 days, but because I thought I misheard God, I asked God, I said, God, did you say 30 days? I wasn't sure. And he didn't answer me. And I just said, well, God, I will come off the consecration or out of the consecration when I feel your spirit leave me. And it was 45 days of no eating, a fast, water only, no sex, no TV, no social media, no anything, nothing, nothing, nothing for 45 days. And out of that 45 days, God gave me a book called Developing a Lifestyle of Prayer. I wrote that in 11 days and it developed into a training. And so that training is about laying 
praying, well, praying, laying, and receiving with God. So it goes over uh, what it's like to pray. What is prayer? What does prayer mean to you? And then what happens when you understand prayer, you then go into a laying place with God, which means you will develop a birth or pregnancy. You will become pregnant with a word. You will become pregnant with a purpose because intimacy with God is like lovemaking. Okay. It's like connecting, it's intertwining with God and he will give you your purpose. He will tell you what you are called to do, what you were meant to do, and you'll become pregnant with that thing. And then receiving every single thing, every gift, every assistance, every good thing that is meant to help you carry out or to deliver this purpose. And so the training goes through this process um, in six weeks and it helps people to understand that prayer is not about always getting something from God. Um, it's about connecting. It's about relationship. It's not about God. What can you do for me? But it's about relationship. It's about intimacy. And once you become intimate with God and you become his friend, what would God not do for his best friend? What would God not do for you? There's nothing he wouldn't do for you. He even tells us your enemies become my enemies. Who's my rival? Who can do anything to you? If I love you and I'm going before you, who can touch you? So I like to tell people all the time to be careful with me or be careful with God's people because they are covered. They are anointed. They are chosen. You can't kill them. You'll hurt yourself if you try. So my um, um, developing a lifestyle of prayer is all about helping them to understand their purpose, their um, promise, and the relationship. Wow. Well, thank you for that. And um, that's my last question. Uh, can you tell why? Can you tell us the importance of prayer? Um, I guess the importance of prayer. Hmm. I guess it's really to, uh, for me, I would say it's to identify who's the star of the show. And the star of the show ain't you. <laughs> the star of the show is God. His purpose is dropped inside of you. You are just glorified dirt. He just wants to make use out of you. And I say that in the most humblest way. But prayer is designed to put you in your in your rightful place, to humble you. So that you know that you are not the star of the show. You have a call on your life. God is using you to be a service. So if you want to be used by anybody, you know, ladies, you know, you want to be used by anybody, gents, be used by God because he's going to make good music out of you. But yeah, so it's all about, um, you know, knowing who's who, like making sure we understand where we belong and where we're positioned. And I know I said it my last question, but I didn't. Got moved around a little bit. But you lied, you lied, you right. lied. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I lied a little bit. <laughs> Might have to move this up. Might have to move this up. So, you know, we're in a pandemic and we're in the middle of protests, and every day it seems to get worse than the last day, right? And being that we are in this time, for someone who's like, because there might be somebody who doesn't have a job, barely uh, keeping a, a food on the table, what would you tell them so they don't go over that edge and, you know, end it all and leave a whole family and a marriage and everybody behind? Because these are some stressful times. Honestly, I think this pandemic, a lot of people, first of all, the pandemic, the, the, the social and 
um, economic injustices and the racial and prejudice that's, you know, I mean, it's, it's extremely severe. Right. And I remember when we were first entering into this great state of pause and prior to that, um, before it even happened, before we went into quarantine and before the state kind of, or the world went into this place, um, God was speaking to me about, um, balancing the scales and, um, leveling the playing field. That's what he kept saying to me prior to this, that there was a call to level the playing field. And then we went into this place and everybody seemed to be affected. Everybody still is affected. And this calls, this call to calls a great pause was all about finding out where you stand and who do you stand with. It was almost like God was exposing who you had on your team. Where was your faith? Who did you trust? Where have you been putting your trust? Because I'm going to keep it 100. I ain't lose nothing during this pandemic. I haven't lost anything. I haven't suffered a loss. Because the thing about God is when you when you choose ye this day who you're going to serve, he's going to take care of you. Now, I'm not talking about the losses that a lot of people have, you know, experienced with COVID-19 because that's something different. But keeping your mind right, keeping your loyalty right, keeping your faith grounded, to be honest, it was already compromised before the pandemic. This pandemic just showed everybody who you trusted, if you understand what I'm saying. A lot of us had our faith in other places, faith in our jobs, faith in our money, faith in that side chick, faith in the side dude. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? A lot of us, a lot of us had already chosen prior to the pandemic and prior to our country suffering and God just said okay I'm tired of this and now I'm just exposing what you really or what was really good who your God really was and I looked at it too like God gave me this revelation of a um of a a a f5 tornado and you know how with those F5 tornadoes, it skips one house and then destroys like five other houses and it skips over another house. And it was like, it was like that. It was like God was showing me his spirit like that in the sense of those that have been rooted and grounded in faith in me, mm-hmm. everything that they have that is rooted and grounded in faith is protected by faith. So if I had God and I'm rooted and grounded in God, then I'm protected and rooted in God. everything that I got is protected by that. And so the ones that are struggling really bad, the ones that are struggling in their mental, where is their faith? Who do they trust? The ones that cannot seem to, you know, stay committed, you know, to their spouse or stay committed to anything. You got to, you know, you got to go back to their faith. Where is their faith? Who is their God? Who do they serve? Because you have a lot of families that were chasing a bag, chasing a coin, you know, you have a lot of corporations, organizations, nonprofits that was hiding money, stealing money, robbing from our communities. Right? Yeah. And everybody gets everybody gets the same hand. But who's going to make it? Everybody was dealt the same hand, but who's surviving? So now everybody's on the same playing field, but God requires us to find a well in our deserts. Like if you couldn't find a well in your desert, it's almost like Two, a lot of people talked about prayer and, you know, reaching out to God. And I read somewhere where um, on the Internet, Jesus was Google search like 
um, 3 million or 300,000 times in the first week of the quarantine, which is wild to me, which shows that there is a fear, a panic that sets in that makes people run to what they should have always had. So God is now checking us. At least that's how I feel like it was a check. It was a jaw check to all of us where our faith really lies. And don't you ever in your life lose your faith again. (laughs) Don't you ever in your life get it twisted when it comes to God and the master plan. He has everything that we need. And if we are smart, we will learn this from this season. That God is the only thing that is secure. He's the only thing that is legit. He is the only thing that is established. He is the only thing that is solid. I like that. If I were to give two scriptures to this to this period of our lives, it would have to be John 15 and 7, where it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done Amen. for you. And then also I would have to say 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their lamb. And um, I, I use those scriptures as that's what's keeping me going in this time. Like, you know, if I, if I know where my help coming from i'm gonna be all right and like you said i i can honestly say i haven't suffered a loss not to be cocky or anything but that's because i just put all my my troubles all my cares all my worries to him and i let him take it all and i don't i have not worried about i have not worried about nothing i've been i mean every day has been great for me um i can honestly say i've ate every day the light's been on every day and Come on. But even if, and I'm closing, even if, you know, I didn't, I didn't have none of that. I still would have been like, life is okay. Yes. Wrap this show up here. We do thank the voice prophetess for coming and speaking to our hearts on tonight. Um, she took us to church, something that Melt Pie has never been before, but that's okay. That's what, that's, that's what, that's what we're here for. We look at this as, the, right. We look at this as that, um, that table where you, that your grandma have, you know, anybody who has a, a soulful grandma, you come to her table, you're going to get fed spiritually and physically. So therefore, we do thank you for, you know, clearing out your busy schedule just to talk uh, to the people and, uh, you know, keep them on their Christian faith and uh, let them know that it's okay. You know, we may fall short of the glory every day, but that's okay. That's okay because there are no, there are no perfect people and God does not want a perfect person. He just wants you to be you and be the best you. And um, is there anything else that you would like to say on tonight? Um, no, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity. Um, I do not take these opportunities for granted. I am so honored um, just to be able to speak about uh, what God has done for me. I'm praying and just, um, you know, speaking life to your ministry and life to what you're doing, you know, both of you sly lie and you know cartier i just you know whatever your heart is you know pursuing i'm just speaking life over it i'm speaking endurance i'm speaking prosperity over your life and every single thing that your heart is positioned towards um nothing that we do is in vain and i don't believe that we came together by an accident um and so 
just speaking life and declaring victory over your life and over your homes and over your money and over your uh, future um, is just something that I just feel pressed to do um, because God is able to do more abundantly, more than what we could ever think or even ask. And so um, I'm just praying that for you. And also for anyone that is interested, I have t-shirts um, that are available. Um, if you are on Facebook, I have a Facebook page. It's Angela C. Green Ministries. And I have hashtag God is my height period tees that um, I have for sale. And it's, I also have a collection. So it's the God is my height tee in black and in white. And I have mugs. I have uh, planners and I have some pens and it's for anybody that is, you know, speaking their truth. You know, I don't need really a hype man. I don't really need, you know, anybody to big me up because God is my hype. You know, he's all that I need. He is the plug. So if anybody is out there and they just want to, you know, make that declaration, you know, definitely support a sister. Um, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at the voice prophetess. Also at you talk too much. I have a podcast, um, and I come on every Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And I'm telling you, it's it's pretty, I call it um, an amplified, a high vote life, an amplified, verifiable, original, legit, and true life that I'm seeking out. It is a spiritually controversial podcast. We talk about everything there. So, you know, take a look around. You can find me on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts, um, and just get your fill. So, you know, I'm around. I do a lot of things, have many events coming up. You can also follow my page for upcoming events. And I'm, I'm a writer too. Um, I have books available, children's books. So yeah, I stay busy. That's really what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but yeah, support, follow, like, comment. There you have yeah, it. That's it. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely follow her. Um, She has some good stuff going on. And look at that. We we didn't even know that you had a podcast. We just thought she was going to be a little... Yeah, we would be honored to, you know, do a little bit of networking on your podcast. Yeah. You got to... Now I got to have you guys. I got to invite you guys on. This is an official invite. You got to come on and, you know, we got to get something that, you know, we can share with the people, come together. I typically have, like, I used to... I was having last month a Freestyle Friday um, and uh, Sister to Sister Saturdays where I would just interview you know, a sister interview someone, um, a woman who could, you know, speak candidly on whatever uh, issue that she faces in her life or, you know, spiritually related because my, again, my podcast is about not just about spirituality, but it's about life and cycles. Um, that's what my mentorship is. That's where I come from because I don't know about you, but I've danced with the devil many cycles. And so in order to fully heal, recover and learn your lesson, um, we got to live our life in cycles so that when we give our message, it's legit, you know, it, it's tested and tried. So you ain't just speaking to anybody. You're speaking to a person who's been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. And so um, anybody that's willing to be transparent and open, you're more than welcome to come and, you know, spit on the mic and, you know, share with the people. I like that. And I'm definitely going to be stealing that. Right, I'm definitely gonna be stealing that. Um, saying, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. <laughs> Go on, take it. It's life. That's real life. My last regards will have to be to all of our listeners out there. 
You aren't the first or the last person to walk this journey. And the overwhelming majority of human experience tells us that there are real answers to be found. It's not about how you get to that place of peace, but as long as you get there. And we hope that you're just feeling, you know, good and but feel good about yourself on this Sunday. You know, a lot of people cannot go to church due to this uh, pandemic. So we brought the church to you. And this concludes this segment, Inner Self. I'm your host, Sly. It's Cardi of the Dawn. And this has been The Melting Pot.